Welcome to the Living Word Podcast. To find out what we're up to, check us out online at dlwc.network. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We hope it encourages and inspires you. Here's today's message. Now, I believe God gave me this word to preach this weekend, and it's, and it's the name that's above every name, and it's the sound of that name. Maybe the, the appropriate title is The Sound of His Name. And today I want to start with Philippians chapter number two this, and this morning, if you want to follow right along with me, in verse number eight, and this is what it says, and being found in the appearance of a man talking about Jesus, that he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those things in heaven and of those things on earth, of those things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wow, I love that passage of scripture. The, the name of Jesus. Now, now, if you're hearing me through religious ears, you're going to have to switch channels because this word is really about the way that we hear that name the way that we speak that name and the sound that that name makes in the earth. And it really is something that God woke me up with during this time of trial and testing in my own life. And by the way, thank you so much for praying for me during the time of, of COVID attacking my body. And I could barely get oxygen enough to, uh, to where I even went to the hospital. And I want you to know that God saved me and your prayers made a difference and God is faithful. But I want you to know today that 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 name is the name that's above every name that brings us through the trials and the tests of life because everything in this world has to answer to the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus. And so the significance of who he is and just the sound of that magnificent name, it's he's the only one that qualified to accomplish what he alone accomplished. In the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, he's the only one that qualified to save us. He's the only one who qualified to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's the only one who could resurrect <clears throat> and conquer death and get death off of all of us. Death in all of its reciprocal uh, different areas in our life, spirit, soul, body, relationships, torn up planet, all of those things, Jesus died to redeem us from the curse of the law and conquered death. He is the one that defeated the devil and stripped him of his keys. And that today, as he is exalted at the right hand of the Father, today ever making intercessions for the saints according to the will of God, he is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. He's the one that wants to send fresh wind and fresh grace into your life. And he wants to do it today. But today, if you're talked out of it, I mean, there's so much consequence to the idea of losing the power of just the sound of his name. And I believe the word that I'm bringing to you today has everything in the world to the way that you digest that name that's above every name. And it's important for us maybe to grasp the idea of the unchangeable, authoritative, immutable, irreversible nature of what Jesus Christ has done. And it becomes the substance of our faith. And it causes us to overcome. It's our faith in what Jesus has accomplished and the immutable nature of his name 
that causes us to be able to walk in a dimension of Christian faith that allows us not only to overcome, but to excel in a planet filled with cursing and difficulty. And so here's my question that I want to give to you in this, in this time in which we live in. It's a, it's a treacherous time. Matter of fact, I was, I was reminded of, of Matthew chapter number 24, speaking about the prophetic days that you and I are living in right now. And I mean right now. Matthew chapter number 24 talks about the details of what would be happening before the coming of the Lord. And four different times in one chapter, it says, don't be deceived. Which is to say, we're living in a day where deception would be easy. Otherwise, he wouldn't have had to admonish us that, that we needed to, to be aware of that deceptive spirit in the world that's around us. And my, my disposition right now to bring you this message is that, is that there's, a, there's a, a lack of confidence in the name of Jesus that has been relegated into a religious category. And it's very dangerous. When I say dangerous... It is debilitating to your faith and it gives the enemy the upper hand in your life. And no one wants that. No one. And so it's important for us to maybe grasp the gravity of this question. And here it is that what happens to a soul of a person who loses confidence in the name that's above every name? What is the consequence? And now there's a real sad story in your Bible and it's about the first king of Israel his name is King Saul. And King Saul is anointed. He, he, he doesn't want the job, which is a, a real indication that, that he should have it. That God chose him. He pulled him out of the stuff and made him the king of Israel. He was handsome. He was tall, but he was humble. And as long as he was humble, God wrote, I mean, just wrought great victories among the Philistines and the oppressors of Israel. And God just did great, great things with him. But then something happened. And it's that something that I want to address for all of us right now. And it can happen to any of us. It can happen to preachers. It can happen to elders, prophets. It doesn't matter who it is. It can happen to any one of us. And so I know that we're all sharing in this idea when Saul was small in his own eyes, he had favor in, in the eyes of God. But as soon as it became professional pressure, it, it superseded his genuine connection to God. As soon as it became professional pressure, it's, that professional pressure superseded his relational connection to God. And I want you to know it's what killed the anointing on the first king of Israel. And these things are written for us so that we would all be admonished to be able to understand what is the impact of these, these effects? What, what are the impacts on faith that otherwise would bring victory and the power of God into the earth and instead personal defeat and absolute reproach upon a king's family? And so that's what happened to King Saul. And it's happened throughout the word of God where people started off right, but allowed their heart to become corrupted by idolatry. It could be said of, of King Solomon. It could be said of all kinds of different biblical characters. And they're, they're all admonitions for us in this deceptive time that you and I are living in. And so what do we do? Number one today, to protect ourselves against this, this frigidity and this, this um, disconnect from God. And to be able to just hear the name of Jesus and to be able to allow it to resound on the inside of us, knowing that heaven's power is behind that name. 
The number one thing that you've got to do, and number one, abiding is your highest priority. And I'll take the text of John chapter number 15. In John chapter 15, Jesus said this. He said, I am the true vine, and my Father, he is the vine dresser. Every branch that is, that is in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. Now, just allow that to sink in. Fruitless vines or vines that bear no fruit aren't good for anything. As a matter of fact, they steal resources from productive vines. And so he takes them, breaks them, and throws them into the fire. And then he says this, You are already clean through the word that I have spoken unto you. Okay, the Father is the vine dresser. The Bible says that every branch that's in him, he prunes it. And then he says in verse number three, now are you clean through the word that I've spoken? Another translation, I think it's the New Living Translation says, now you're already pruned for what I've said to you already. In other words, there's a pruning process already going on in your life. And so don't let that stop. Keep the pruning process, cut away the dead stuff and bring to accentuate the fruitfulness of your life. And I believe God wants that for all of us at Living Word, for us to be able to really, truly become fruitful in our lives and our relationship to, to the greatness of our God and of Jesus Christ and of just being able to speak his name, knowing that's coming out of your mouth with power. And so that's more than religion, isn't it? It's much more. And I believe that's the admonition that God's giving us. And so he says in verse number four, abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me you can do nothing. Interesting. The abiding aspects of, of being in him is what causes our lives to be so magnificently fruitful. It's Him. It's His energy. It's His life. It's joy. All the different things that come out of Him. And I'm going to use an acrostic here, and it's the word sap. It's sap that comes through the vines. And sap is what I'll, I'll describe as spiritually active participation. Spiritually active participation. Sap. And so when the sap is rising, when we're participating with God, the, the, the legitimate joy of fruitfulness of joy comes out of our lives. It's not contrived. It's not, uh, I'm depressed most of the time, oh God, help me. It is, no, 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 when the sap is rising in my life, the fruitfulness of joy rises in my life. Or maybe here's another one, confidence and security I don't live in insecurity anymore. I live securing, knowing that God is for me. And if God be for me, who could be against me? I'm confident. I'm secure in God. And that's when the sap rises. When the sap rises in my life, the love of God becomes a strength in my life. Instead of something that I'm aspiring to do and constantly failing at, suddenly the love of God's picking me up and moving me forward. And that's what the love of God does. It's a compelling force. Matter of fact, Romans 5, 5 says that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And then as acceptance, man, I'm telling you, when, when the sap is rising in my life, that spiritual act of participation with God, and I'm magnifying that great name, when that's happening, that suddenly accepted, I know the Bible says that I'm accepted in the beloved, just like 1 John tells me. I, you are accepted in the beloved, my dear friends. That, that you, you say, well, I failed a thousand times. Well, I don't care. Because your perfection was never the standard. It was his perfection. 
And because of what he has done, today you're accepted in the beloved. You say, but I failed five minutes ago. Well, repent real quick and get back in fellowship with God. And so that's what acceptance does. We'll give you an opportunity to pray before the end of this time together. And God's going to restore your life. And acceptance is going to saturate your soul once again. And joy will come as a result of that as well. Freedom. Oh, freedom. There's nothing in the world like freedom. Freedom is the best thing in the world. And let me just describe what I felt like the Lord put on my heart to share about freedom. That is nothing inappropriate has as a hold on my soul. That's freedom. Nothing inappropriate has a hold on my soul. And I want you to believe that that's exactly the way that God wants you to live. Freedom means I'm in Christ. He's in me. And today I'm happy about the arrangement. And today I resist every claim jumper that tries to step onto the property of God in my soul. No, no, no. I, this, these and these are not for trash. These and these are for the glory of God. And so I want you to understand today, you're a vessel of honor, sanctified meat for the master's use, prepared into every good work, just like the pastoral epistle says, and free acceptance and, and boldness. And, and boldness is another one that I'll just mention and then move along. That when you're bold in God, it's because you know you're not alone. The Bible says, when Peter and John spoke to the Sanhedrin after the day of Pentecost, and the Bible says they were told and commanded never to preach in the name of Jesus. They said we ought to obey God rather than men. Now that's a bold statement to make in front of people that just crucified your Savior. And, and so that's what they said. There was a boldness on them. And this is what the Bible says, that they beheld the boldness of Peter and John. And when they did, they took knowledge that they were unlearned and ignorant men, but that they had been with Jesus. In other words, they weren't scholars. They weren't seminary graduates, but they were profoundly different because they'd been with Jesus. And friend, I'd rather have the accolades of God and the sonship of God in my life than all the accolades that this world could provide. And I just want you to understand today, that's where victory comes from. It's abiding in Jesus and him abiding in you and fruitfulness of God coming out of your life. And so number one, we've got to figure out how to abide in him, that there's no substitute for these things in our lives. No substitute and there's no other way to get them other than an abiding relationship with Jesus. L let me put it this way. Grace made a way, but abiding makes it work. Let me say it again. Grace made a way, but abiding is what makes it work. If it's not working for you, you might know about grace, but you might not be abiding in that grace. And today you need to stir the gift on the inside of you. Secondly, today, I want to share with you of what, what do you miss if you disconnect from the source of life? So it's the opposite thought of the abiding thought. What happens when you disconnect? What happens when you're a cut flower? In other words, you can receive a beautiful bouquet of, of flowers at your home and they just look live and they're lovely and they smell good and all the different things that a bouquet provides. But you have to understand that once that flower has been cut and its stem has been severed from its root system, it is in the process of death. No matter how long it takes for that flower to die, it's in the process of death. And I want you to understand today that abiding for each one of us is absolutely essential for each one of us. Do you know Israel came out of Egyptian bondage 
And they came into the wilderness and they observed the great works of God. Can you imagine seeing the water stand up in the Red Sea on either side of you and walking through on dry ground? And when the enemy tried to pursue you through that, the experience of watching that water crash in upon your enemies. I'm telling you, these are the experiences of this Psalms 106 passage that I want to bring to you today. But the Bible says that they experienced these things, but they forgot the works of the Lord. Now that's it. That's what happens when you stop abiding is you forget what God's already done in your life. That your testimony begins to wilt away. Your testimony becomes a cut flower. And so the Bible says in Psalms 106, and this is verse 13, 14, 15. The Bible says that they soon forgot his works and they did not wait for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tested God in the desert. And he gave them their request. So he was answering prayers, dear, but he gave them, he sent them leanness into their soul. Leanness into their soul. Listen to that. Listen, when God's word says he sent leanness into their soul, it means they became carnally minded. And, and so they, they, may, they may have looked alive, but they were dead on the inside. That they were, they were a mile wide and an inch deep. And friend, there's no way to survive the tough times of life like we're experiencing right now. There's no way to survive the day there. And so it's important for us to understand that, that God gave them over to leanness of soul. And I just want you to hear that. Man, there's so much leanness of soul. All, all the political discussions and all the sightedness and all the ignorance about things that are going on around us and the, and the corruption, the difficulties, the the, the diseases that are encroaching upon us, the spirit of fear that just wants to take over the planet and lock everything down and all those kinds of things. Listen, I, I know the time that we're living in. And, and again, it's one of those times where Jesus said, don't be deceived because it'd be very easy to be deceived right now. But if, if, you, if you give yourself to leanness of soul, it's like the depth of a Facebook post. Sometimes I just wonder where in the world is the depth of people. That they make carnal comments, they even make snarky attitude comments, and they're all based in ignorance and they're worth absolutely nothing. It's leanness of soul. And it's exactly what the Word of God says. And so loss of identity happens. When, when leanness of soul comes, there's three things that happen. Number one, you lose your identity in God. And I just want you to understand, you can get it back. You can get it back. I'm preaching today because I felt like God told me to help the body of Christ get their identity back and to, and to know and to learn how to stir that gift of freedom and joy and faith on the inside of their hearts. And that's what this message is really targeting today. You can lose your identity, but thank God you can get it back. Listen, the Apostle Paul told the people at Philippi, I once based my life on the achievements and carnality and the pedigree and the, the um, accomplishments of my own studies and of my pharisaical status. And so he says all these things. He says, I was of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness, uh, which is of the law, blameless. And then he says, verse number seven, but what things were gained to me, these things I count loss for Christ. Listen to what he said. He said, these things, all of these things mean nothing to me. 
Listen, there are folks that just want to put plaques and monuments up for people that do that kind of stuff. And the apostle Paul said, it doesn't mean anything to me now. He said, all of these are, are, are loss. They're rubbish for me. He said, I count them all loss. Yet indeed, I also count, I count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. There's that name. Just say it. Jesus. For whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them rubbish that I might gain Christ and be found in him. Ah, there it is. To be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. In other words, there's only one way to tap into that grace and it's abiding in God by faith. And then he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings to be found conformed to his death that by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. Listen, Paul's not messing around here. And it's the temperature of true Christianity is this right here. Everything else doesn't matter. People matter. God matters. And abiding in him makes me make a difference. And that's what the apostle Paul said, that I may live life with him in it. And that's what we need right now. I'm so tired of thin-souled comments and political wranglings and dishonesty and, and stupidity and twisting of terminologies and all these different things that are a plague to the planet right now. And I'm telling you, God's got big, big time deliverance coming and it's going to come through his people. Secondly, when leanness of soul comes, that uh, vital faith begins to wane. Uh, I've already said this to some degree, but when your joy evaporates, you know you've lost that abiding sap that's vital to that that spiritual connection to God, that participation with God. And so actively participating with God causes my faith to flourish. But when I'm disconnected, vital faith begins to wane. David put it this way in Psalms 51 out of, out of his own magnificent failure. And then he comes to repentance for his own magnificent failure. And David in Psalms 51 and verse number 12 says, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Your salvation upholds me by your generous, please uphold me by your generous spirit. And I believe that God wants to do that right now. Maybe your faith has waned through the troubles and the trials and the tests. Abide in God and allow God, ask him, God, restore the joy of my salvation. And then number three, when leanness of soul comes, expectations are set by an empty cistern. You know what a cistern is. It's a, it's, a, it's a container that's meant to catch rainwater or, or runoff water. And so instead of being able to find water at the cistern that's supposed to be catching resource, instead it's empty and dry. Jeremiah 14 says it's this way, that the nobles had sent their servants for water and they came to the cistern and they found no water. And so they returned with empty containers that are empty. I'm telling you, there's so many places on this planet today that have no answers. They may have cute sermons. They may have cute churches. They may have all kinds of sounds. It sounds like church, but there's no unction in it. There's no power of the Holy Spirit in it. And I'm just here to tell you today that God has an answer for us. 
Psalms chapter number three and verse one through three, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Doesn't it sound like today? Many are they that rise up against me. Many will say there is no help for him in God, Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me and you're the glory and you're the lifter of my head. And I believe that's the day that you and I are living in right now that we need to call upon the name of the Lord and God's going to restore to us. He's going to be a shield for us in the midst of this very difficult time. And so there's three things that are vital to make your faith bright and to make your faith real because of our abiding in the name that's above every name. And so number one, you've got to have a revelation. Number one is revelation. That the true greatness of Jesus Christ is something that you get. It's not something that you just believe historically. It's something that you know is true for him right now. He's absolutely great. That his complete victory was for us. He didn't come to get his own victory. He came to get yours. And once you know that, the revelation that what he did, he did for you. Once that begins to penetrate, suddenly you realize that I'm living in an inheritance that I did not deserve, that I, it's not wages for a life well done. It is an inheritance that came because when he died, the inheritance and the will of God came to pass. And when he resurrected from the dead, he's overseeing the will of God in your life to see that it comes to pass just like he bled and died and rose from the dead to make happen in your life. So the revelation is that his true greatness needs to be understood, that everything he got in victory, he got for us. And today it's yours by an inheritance. That's number one, revelation. Number two, expectation. This is where faith leaves the, the realm of thought and becomes the power of God in your life. And it's expectation. The New Testament pattern comes alive when I see myself in him. Paul said that I may be found in him. And that's who, what you are right now. You're in him, friend. And it's the safest place in the world to be is in Christ. The safest place in the world for you and I to be is abiding in him. The disciples, they, they were no longer competing for standing in God after the day of Pentecost. They, they were no longer competing for standing. They were standing because they were no longer competing. That's the revelation. They stood, and the reason why they could stand boldly in Christ is because their standing had already been settled. I'm in Christ, he's in me, and that's all I need. I don't need a title. I don't need him something to stroke my ego or, or accentuate the, the, the power of my logo. Today, I want you to know today that God is for you, and if God be for you, who can be against you? I have standing, therefore I can stand. And that's what the expectation of our lives are. You know, what were the disciples' expectation? The Bible says in the Great Commission of Matthew, or Mark chapter number 16, and this is what it says, And the Lord, when he had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven, sat down at the right hand of God, and they went out and they preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. And that's what God does. He works with you. He works with his word to confirm the word with signs following. It's the name. He said, go in my name and preach the gospel. Go in my name, live the gospel, abide in Christ. And these great things are happening. So number one, you got to have revelation. Secondly, you need expectation. And thirdly, and most importantly, if you want your faith to come alive today, you've got to have a celebration. 
The celebration is where life really hits. It's when it takes over the agenda of your life. Listen, you may have never been a praise and worship person. You may have thought it was complete fanaticism and that all of Christianity was contained within some cerebral exercise. And I just say, that's the most foolish thing I've ever heard in my whole life. People get more excited at a football touchdown than they do over Jesus Christ. And I just think it's pathetic. God wants today for there to be a living celebration in the lives of those who abide in him. And I'll know whether or not that you're abiding as to whether or not there's a celebration going on of all that he's done and all that he wants to do in our lives. And 1 Peter, in closing today, this is the way that 1 Peter puts it, that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation and a God's own special possession that you may proclaim the excellency of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God, that you had not received mercy, but now, now you have received mercy. Listen, my word to you today is real simple, that God wants to do something absolutely magnificent in your life. But the only way that he can do that is for you to abide in him. And to be able, through abiding, to rejoice in the Lord our God. And so today, let me just end this message by saying to you, if you've you've never given Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, what are you waiting for? If you've never made Jesus the Lord of who you are, or maybe the best you could ever say that you've ever done is just go to church, may I say to you, it gets so much richer, so much deeper, and the resource so much more profoundly life-changing if you'll just extend faith in Jesus Christ. That you'll just, and you don't have to understand it all, you just need to know, I need to commit my life to Jesus Christ. Commit myself to understanding what this thing is all about, and he's gonna change me forever, I know he will. And so, for you, my dear friend, I wanna pray for you now. And I wanna pray that God would not just only bless you on the outside, but that that taproot on the inside of you would tap into that stream of living water that can only be found in Jesus Christ. And if you're lonely and you need Jesus in your life, pray this prayer with me. Dear God in heaven, come on, pray it right out loud. Dear God in heaven, I ask you into my life. I believe in you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for what you've done for me. And now I thank you that you're exalted above everything, and I crown you the Lord of my life. Be the Lord of who I am, and please teach me what that means, and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Wow, wow, wow. Now, now if you prayed that prayer with me, my dear friend, I want you to know that no matter where you are, you might be behind bars, you might be in a home, you might be watching this on a back porch somewhere, or in the, in the, on a cell phone somewhere in a park bench. But I want you to know wherever you are, Jesus Christ has just come into your life to save you and to give you a brand new beginning. It's old, it's passed away, the new has come. And so today I want to help you to discover that because it's God's job to save you, but it's my job to pastor you. And so I want to help you to do that, to grow right along with the rest of us. There are no perfect people at Living Word, no perfect people anywhere. But if you would like to come and grow with us, I'd love you to do it. The information's on your screen. Text the word HOPE to the number that's on your screen. For those who are watching online today, hit that raise the hand button on that that computer screen right now. And I'll send you information about how you can grow rapidly in the things of God. 
and we absolutely adore you and love you and welcome to the family at Living Word. You're welcome here. And so we love you, everyone. Now, don't forget, next weekend is our Legacy Weekend. And so don't forget, pray really earnestly. Ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want us to do at the end of this year to to perpetuate the power of the gospel in the earth through partners just like all all over the city? How can we help? How can we be a blessing? How can we open up the kingdom of God and watch it manifest in the Miami Valley right here where we live? And I believe that God's going to do something absolutely tremendous in your life. I love you, everyone. I'll be excited to see you next week. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at LWC Dayton and on Facebook at Living Word Dayton.